time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be in this big wide world. We are welcome to Art of War Down Under. This is episode 14. This is the merging of the two stats towers of our community. And we have two illustrious, amazing gentlemen on today. First one, Mr. Peter, the Falcon Calissimo. You know him, you love him. He's a legend of the 40K community, founder of 40K Stats, and um, one half of 40K Stats and the podcast. Hello, my man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Kaka. And I don't know, I'd, I'd say I'm about a third of the things you've said, um, <laughs> but, but I'll take it. I'll take it. And the second gentleman is, I think, kind of an unsung hero of the community. His name is Joshua Diffie, and he is a, he's a gentleman from Australia. He's uh, one half of, um, well, sorry, I'll, I'd say uh, four-fifths of Down Under Pairings, now part of BCP. He helped me found Down Under Network two years ago when we, we started this venture together. His name, like I said before, is Joshua Diffie. And more than anybody else that I know, this man has put in more man hours into making stats a thing, and I think he is an absolute legend of a man. Hello, Josh. How you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty well. I I I um I echo um Pete's comments. I'm probably about a third of what you just said. Um I reckon Would you both uh, shut up and let me sell you? I reckon Pete's probably done more um on the stats than I have uh uh definitely man hours, one hundred percent uh more on man mm. hours. Um, oh, sorry, I had it written down here and I said it wrong. I, I, Josh has done more to push along how we gather and play, so gather data and play events. I'll give you I that. Think, uh, I'll give you that. I'll, yeah. yeah. I, I've yeah. done none of that. I've done, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I make sure that we just have to do more work and Josh tries to make it easier on us. And I'm just like, no, everything yeah. has to well, be with an abacus. It's the only way to make sure we're <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, boys, you're off to such a strong start. But f- first and foremost, Peter, was there anything? Where can people find you? Tune into you. If you plug yourself. What um, do you do? There's not much to plug. I, I do 40kstats.com. It's my website. Um, I track all GT and level data and above um, from every application or Excel spreadsheet that's out there. Um, if if the events happened and most of the lists are available, then I populate it so that we can just see how factions are doing at a GT level. Um, I'm also have the 40 K stats center podcast, which is a mostly weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, sometimes semi-annually podcast where we <laughs> talk about, um, just, we, we just, we interview the winners from events from around the world, uh, to get their side of the story on how their lists play. We talk to TOs, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, I also sometimes guest host on 40 K today, chapter tactics, a number of other podcasts where I kind of peek my head in and say the things I like to say because I love the sound of my own voice. And, uh, that's really about it. Man after my own heart. And, uh, Josh, where can people find you? Where can people find your works and tell us a bit about what you do? Uh, well, uh, they could probably find me here, um, a little bit more regularly, um, as as the uh, the tournament season cracks open, um, mm-hmm. with hopefully a bit more of a regular uh, stat session with uh, with the beautiful man, uh, the the Mister the Camilleri here. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Adam and I uh, started off on this um, down under network slash rebrand to Art of War Down Under. Um, as you said, a couple couple of years ago now feels like. Uh, Feels like time's flown a little ten. bit. Um, <laughs> ten years. <laughs> ten years. Yeah, who knows? Um, 
so yes, you can find us uh, on uh, Twitch quite a lot, um, and I think we'll be um, putting out some more stuff on on Twitch and YouTube as uh, tournaments really start to to ramp up again. Um, we may yeah. have we we've we've tried pretty hard to to bring you guys some content uh, even in these COVID unprecedented times, uh, and we'll continue to try and uh, scour the globe for events that um, are still running and are willing to chuck a webcam on top of a table for us. Legit. I'll, I'll call any game. Like, you chuck a webcam, I'll, I'll, I will make it go. But past that, we're going to be doing a stats episode, gentlemen. You two are, both, are two of the, the best stats head analysts, and we've got minds for the, the figures and numbers and the intriguing bits and juicy little tidbits of this game that I decided to pull you both together and do a stats episode. But Adam, why cut Stats Center's lunch like this? Why do this to people you love? And because I want to. It's because uh, we're doing things a little bit differently. I, I feel like uh, Stats Center... And then they own that niche of tournament coverage and talking about the lists and presenting um, uh, podium finishes and things like that to an nth degree and then waxing lyrical upon that. What we're going to be doing here is focusing in on on a, a pretty significant data set that has been provided by these two gentlemen that has been extracted from a bunch of different areas which they'll, they'll tell you about. And we're going to be talking about the big talking points of ninth edition. We're going to go doing a faction ladder. We're going to be just hitting the stats. What is the best faction in the game? And just making a ladder from bottom to top of what is the best and most winning factions in the game. On top of that, we're going to be breaking down the secondaries, the win and loss for going first and second. And then a bunch of other juicy little talking points in this, in this first episode, part two, um, in the boys again, whack and lyrical, we're going to be talking about the, the, the bits of the data that we wanted to know. I'm, I'm going to be pulling out the average scores for different factions, factions that are important to me, important to the patron group. And then the patrons have had the, their, the opportunity to ask questions of these two gentlemen and get them to deep dive into this huge data set that we've got and extrapolate um, little bits and little data points that the, the patrons wish, wish to know. So if you want to go to go into, in on that goodness, jump over to Patreon and look for AOW down under 40k and you will find us to be able to get involved. But this is something that we're going to be doing a little bit more regularly and I guess the question is, Adam, why do this now? And I'm doing this now because this is pre-Codex. This is pre-Codex data. And doing it now is going to set our baseline so we can always refer back to how things were at the start of ninth edition, even though even though the data set is a little bit less than what we'd, you know, we'd love because of COVID. But uh, we've got this data set to work from, and we're going to see how it evolves over time. And every every month or two, I'll do another episode like this. So maybe, maybe it's every two months, maybe it's every three months. And we'll see how things have progressed as new codexes get added, as the meta shifts, more chapter approved, things like that. And thankfully, these two incredible gentlemen have been happy enough to, to come on and join us. But so jumping in first and foremost, I'll jump, hit this over to Peter the Falcon. Tell me about this data set that you've got. Tell me how many games you've got, where you've gathered it from, and what, what you love about it. So we've got a few data sets here. I'll, I'll let Diffie talk about his because he's got he's got a good one. He's got probably two built into the same. Um, the data sets that I generally use when I'm when I'm tracking data, I've got a uh, is every GT and major game that I can find. Um, so that amounts to at least at this point in in the in time just shy of 2000 unique 40k games um which is about 4000 faction focused games um and so so that's that's what i currently have as a pool in terms of looking at how factions are performing at a gt level or above um i've also and this is uh the, the other file that i've been using and digging into quite a bit is um the itc battles app you you can actually extract data from that um, people who are listening to the show may have read the Goonhammer article, uh, the 40k meta review from a couple weeks back. Um, they use that exact same Excel sheet. It's it's another 6,000, 6,500 games. Um, 
that from the start of ninth edition forward, these ones are less tournament focused. There's about 5,000 that are uh, practical quote-unquote practice games and then there's a thousand games that are listed as tournament games there's less controls on this though uh, in the itc battles app is what i have because for mine i go into each individual game and i verify the data before i extract it um so like every faction next. every sub faction <laughs> etc is i know is what it is unless they like you know the players super lied they went they went the mm. full route and were like everything has to be fake um uh, whereas with itc battles app or like bcp down under pairings you know there is the chance that the player was you know typed the wrong thing in because they just didn't care right they selected fallen for yeah. their faction and there's no way you could play 2000 points of fallen um that kind of thing so yeah and uh it's awesome that you've been able to extrapolate that from the, that data set and thanks so much for, for doing what you do diffy uh what do you bring into the party um so uh basically what uh we've we've got here is uh from from i guess yeah what i'm bringing to the party uh is uh 17,252 um faction focused um uh results um uh, so that's uh just over eight and a half thousand um unique games um it's a <clears throat> it's it's a weird when you start talking stats uh, around around games, um, I tend to use the words pairings and games um, uh, quite distinctly. So, um, uh, you know, two people playing against each other, I often refer to as a pairing uh, mm-hmm. when I'm talking stats. Um, but then when I'm talking about the fact that one was Chaos, one was Blood Angels, that's two games, one, um, one Chaos game, one Blood Angel game. It's just... It's a, yeah. it's a bit hard to um, to to get that across um, sometimes, but so when I say seventeen thousand two hundred fifty-two uh, games, um, it's eight thousand six hundred twenty-six pairings. Anyway, uh, of those, uh, by far the majority of those were from uh, best coast pairings tournaments, uh, and uh, um, a big chunk of the the ones that are, um, that have the more detail have come from down under pairings tournaments, which are Australia and New Zealand based. Um, from those games, um, I have uh, same kind of um, um, description there. I've got 2,850-ish pairings, um, which is uh, a bit of 1,400 um, games where we know um, who went first, what secondaries were picked, uh, and all that. Um, amazing, yeah, amazing jam. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the... The, uh, I guess the the analysis. I mean, coming back to you know what what we're looking at here, the seventeen thousand number um, gives us a lot of really interesting information. Um, the like about you know win rates and how factions are going and those sorts of things at a at a um, a much more global level. Um, the the smaller number where we actually know the specific results. Um, I think when you when you add that on to the what is about uh, I think it was about a thousand or a bit over a thousand tournament games from ITC Battles apps, um, uh, and I, I think we've, we were all discussing this previously, but um, it is fair to say that those you know bit over a thousand games are unlikely to be the same um, over fourteen um, uh, hundred um, pairings from our um, the results I brought to the table um, because it's unlikely yeah. someone. Used ITC Battle Lab and then also filled <laughs> out the detailed scorecards. They probably just 
if they had the ability to do the detailed scorecards, they probably just did that. Um, so mm-hmm. we probably have a total of just shy of uh, 3,000 um, uh, pairing records, um, I think, is, is roughly the numbers, yep. which is, yep. is good. Um, but I said it's just um, – and it's, it's great at this early stage of ninth edition. Um, I think we'd, we'd love to see, see more. And if you probably think about how uh, when eighth edition dropped, if you think about how far we are into the edition and how many games we probably had at this point in eighth, um, <laughs> it's probably chalk and cheese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely right. So, well, I mean, in, t- in touching on that, Peter, perfect segue. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel, Peter? How do you feel about your sample size and and this this data set? Are you are you confident in it? Are you are you willing to put your name on it and back it, or is this something you're just saying, hey, we're we're just working with the the vapor of the edition at the moment due to COVID, and um, we're pretty much going to be working up upwards from here. So I would say, um, yeah, to, to echo Diffie, for sure, this is kind of a, a different game. Um, maybe early eighth, not so much, but mid eighth when we were getting, you know, eight GTs a week. Yeah. Um, like that was a different story. We were getting 2,000 games worth of data literally every weekend. Um, so it was very easy to to stack up results, which was great because the game was literally changing every weekend. We had a new codex coming out every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very helpful to kind of keep the meta under control like in someone's eyes so you could see how game how the everything was forming. Um, and now, you know, I'm at 2,000 GT games over three months. And 2,000, uh, sorry, pairings, I guess we'll use, we'll try, I'll try to use uh, Diffie's terminology here so that we're, <laughs> we're not confused. Consistency, so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm at 2,000 pairings, just shy. And that has always kind of been my tipping point to where I feel relatively confident for the vast majority of factions that this is where they are in a, in a competitive uh, standpoint um, at 2,000 games, uh, 2,000 pairings. Anything yeah. less, it, it's very hard to to talk numbers because you'll have like those three or four factions that everybody plays, and you can probably say, yes, this is where they should be because we've got four or five hundred uh, pairings under their belts for each for these super popular ones. Um, but then, but yeah, so this is kind of my bare minimum to to mm. talk relatively confidently that this is how things are. Um, I would love about double. Once you hit four thousand pairings, um, there's it's very you don't see very much movement after that unless there is a, like a complete injection of a new rule set into the game like yeah, exactly. we saw say with like imperial knights when they dropped everything dr- dramatically changed because it was like a whole crazy faction that was really strong when it launched when marines dropped right um that's when you just have to like hit the reset button and say the game's different mm. now yeah. so we're at 2000 i there's there's a lot of stuff i can say with with high confidence like as to where certain factions lie, there are other factions where I'm not as comfortable with. And, and I'll say it, I'll tell you when, like, if you're like, Hey, yeah. how are sisters of battle doing? I'll say, they look good. They look okay. <laughs> they probably in my, in my heart of hearts are good. Um, but not a lot of people are playing them. Right. So maybe I mean, and, they're and terrible. Everything so. we say is relevant. We're not gonna be able to talk to too many trends in this episode. Hopefully next one, or the one after that, we'll be able to talk to things trending up, trending down, taking hits because of meta shifts and things like that. But at the moment, we're going to be talking from a pretty high, well, sorry, from a top looking down level. We're not going to pick, pick apart things too much at this early stage. And I think that's that's probably where the data set's at. But Josh, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think um, it's there's definitely a lot of things that we can, I said, with the with the volume of data that we do have that I'm, I'm, I am confident in, in in making some some fairly large claims about you know how factions are factions are going, um, but as as mm-hmm. I said, uh, when you when you then start wanting to ask the more juicier questions, 
um, that, uh, that, that we're all quite interested in, um, it still is probably a, a little anecdotal. Um, and yeah. uh, when you get to um, like specific factions, um, and I'll, I'll give you a very um, high-level example. Um, so of the Adeptus Astartes um, games, um, I've got three, about 3,000 tournament games of Adeptus Astartes for 9th edition. Now, that sounds a lot. And it, well, it, it is a lot of games uh, for one specific faction. So when I look at their win rate of 52%, I'm like, okay, that I'm, I'm confident with that number. But when I look at mm-hmm. the win rate of when they went first at 58%, I only have uh, 219 games where I know they went first. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and which is significantly higher than the next level down, which is in like um, single digits. Uh, sorry, double digits. Yeah. Um, so uh, outside of Marines, um, anyone else, any other faction where you say, are they better going first or second? Sure, I can say that the stats say one way or another, but I don't have more than 100 games um, for any one faction outside of Adeptus Astartes. Um, so um, it, so at, that, at that level, it's, it's really hard to say. And when you throw in the fact um, that this is all tournament games in Down Under Pairings and Best Coast Pairings, if you were to compare this with, say, um, Heat Set, where you only focus on the, the GT or larger style events, those, those numbers drop would drop significantly. Um, yes, so, for sure. So, um, you know, of those 219, how many of them were, you know, big fish, small pond games um, where it, you know, it didn't matter if they went first or second, they were going to win anyway um, kind of thing. Uh, and yeah. um, one of the things I think uh, would be really interesting to, to start looking at is, is knowing if, um, if it is the player. So as, as we start to get a bit more into, um, into the edition, um, I would like to start looking at, well, of, say, the ITC-ranked players, say the top 10%-ish, you know, look at their games when they play mm-hmm. other, quote-unquote, top 10% players. Um, yep. and, and go, oh, you know, if you, if you try and remove um, a, um, a, a Nick Nanavati playing a little Timmy um, at his first tournament, um, you know, how, how stacked against it did <laughs> Um, did, did it have to be for little Timmy? Um, mm. Poor little Timmy. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just yeah. about finding the, um, uh, the right number of games and we'll get there. It's just, um, we'll mm. get there. And to, just to put things into perspective for us, there was more games played in like day one at the LVO than the tournament games we're talking about right here, wasn't there? When it comes to this go first, go second, yes. I mean, yeah, if we yeah. use the ITC battle app, uh, data, which I mean, we, I, like I've already said, Goonhammer went so in depth on that. I don't know if we really need to go extra. I would just recommend, you know, take a look at that. We can talk about it in terms of correlation because mm-hmm. there's a lot yep. of correlation, by the way, even with this small data set that we've got um, from BCP down under pairings. Um, it's very similar. Like the numbers pan out for a lot of these factions. Um, so we can talk a little bit about it, but I don't want to mm. step too much on, on their, I don't want to bump in on their parade too hard because like they yeah, already exactly did a lot right. of work. Right. And, and they did a great job. Like it was a phenomenal yeah. article. Um, and I, I would like to say like, thank you to Josh for extrapolating the data from, um, DUP and thank you to BCP for letting us have this data set as well. But let's, let's get to some meat and potatoes. Let's get to one of the big things and the big reasons we're doing this episode ladder. We're going to make a faction ladder from the worst to the best. Just let's just hit it. 
Peter, what is the so, uh, and, and just to preface this, we're not going to be talking about armies and, and factions that have five lodged games. Where there's going to be a cutoff of, I think, I think Peter's determined to cut off for an X amount of games. We're willing to add onto this ladder. And if your if your faction is not on this ladder, go out and play some games. It's just you know, get it on there. It's why you, why are you holding yourself back? It's your fault. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely not COVID. Peter, uh, <laughs> give us the first one, mate. Give us who's on the bottom of the ladder. Who's in the bottom? Like, so who's performing the worst? Who's if we look at if we work look at every metric, so not just win rates, because I think that's something. If I if I can soapbox just very briefly about Do statistics, um, there's such a thing as good and bad data data analysis. So when when we're looking at statistics, and this goes for everybody, not just me, but like everybody in the world, when you're looking at the numbers, don't just focus on one number because that one number doesn't tell the entire story. You can look at if it's like a super outlier. Go for it. If you see a faction's got a 20% win rate, they've played like 2,000 games, chances are they're a shit faction. But if, <laughs> like, and it doesn't matter what any of the other numbers say. Like, that's just terrible. And if they have an 80% win rate and they've got 6,000 games played, they're probably the best faction in the game, right? Like, the, there's no argument there. But the, for the majority of factions, you can't just look at one thing. You got to go deep. Um, so for example, like with 40 K stats, I don't just look at win rates. I look at average VPs. I look at the average first round loss for a, a faction. So how often do they lose in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round before they, you know, basically get knocked out of contention. Um, I use that T whip score, the tournaments and winning position. So how frequently they get to uh, round five an event without uh, suffering their first loss. And you can work all these things together to get a, a rough idea. So with oh my i don't know if you heard that my dog is going absolutely but bananas here but um <laughs> no we can't really hear it cool it's so your um, dog objects about your comments about stats it does it's true <laughs> yeah. so for it me wants an, it wants anecdotal garbage looking at all perfect. looking at all these numbers um and this is a big surprise to me and i know we were going to talk about surprises later but it's eldar as uh craft world eldar in particular not Drukari or Harlequins, but just Craft World Eldar, Mono Faction Craft World Eldar is performing pretty garbage across the board. Everyone, crack out your smallest violins and your little like mock weepy faces. Pour one out for the knife ears. Craft World Eldar officially, you heard it here, worst faction in the game right now. That is phenomenal. So there are other factions that have certain statistics that they're performing worse on, like average first round loss, Tau, not doing it anymore, but nobody's playing Tau. And that might be a sign that they are worse because Tau went from being four or 5% of the meta for the longest time to about one. They're literally yes. like one in a hundred people are playing Tau now. So they're, they, they're probably terrible. And this, and some of the, the other numbers that are kind of putting Eldar below them, maybe from that time when the Taunar was way too cheap, and so there were a lot of early stats from the first couple of weeks of ninth, where people were doing decent with them. But since then, they've they've, they've disappeared. Um, but so are they are they second worst? Um, I would say for uh, stuff we have statistics with, I would put them probably second worst. I mean, Dark Angels have terrible statistics as well across the board, so it's hard to say. That being said, they're about yeah, like blasted off into the into the the atmosphere really but for craft world eldar they've only ever had one person at an event get past the the second uh, the third round without uh, without mm. uh, taking a loss and only two wow. that have gotten past round two wow that is actually crazy but um what you said about dark angels will be really oh, interesting because that's something 
Yeah, that is something we can track next next time we do this. We can just look back and see where Dark Angels have, what the actual rules for Dark Angels have changed and how significantly they've been. And just say, hey, how many slots up the ladder have they jumped? They might yeah. be in first for how powerful they look. Um, so we've got Craft Worlds, then Tau, then Dark Angels. And I suppose Dark Angels and Tau are probably sitting around the same spot. Yeah, What's the next one part of there? Right about the thing with Dark Angels and Tau, the other thing is we don't have a lot of data for them because people just stop playing them, right? Like yeah, Dark exactly Angels. Right. Never have had a person get past the second round without without a loss, mm. but we've only had like twelve people even try to play Dark Angels, right? Because yeah. because every other Marine faction seems to just have been better, right? So why mm. run your green power armor guys as Dark Angels when you can uh, you know shine the proper light on them and they look like <laughs> salamanders, right? If you yeah. look at them the right way, they're green enough. <laughs> so uh, that's because those gentlemen lack the courage of their convictions. <laughs> but anyway, what's the next one, Matt? Um we're going all, we're going through them all, are we? Okay, give me give me a second. Um, <laughs> Legit, we are going from bottom to top, my man. I would say the next the next kind of down there faction is going to be guard. Ooh, that's an interesting one. So, guard pe- people people just assume guard is still good. People just always assume, oh yeah, guard is still good. Guns are still good. Guard is still good. Obsec still good. Um, but yeah, so you're saying that the the metrics don't hold up to that? They've got about a forty one percent win rate. Um, which is relatively low. They used to be much lower, but luckily, um, you know, Liam Hackett came in and gave them like a, a like a one point bump. Um, so, my man. so like they're doing meh. Their average first round losses is, is very poor. We really haven't seen them ever perform at a top table level um, yet. And they they there's enough people that are playing them. Like that's the other thing. Yeah. It's, this isn't like you know they're still like five percent of the meta. Um, and it's just because guard players are guard players, right? There's like a core of them that'll play no matter what. And so the same uh, as walk players, just a, a little bit less drunk, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Josh, any anything from this uh surprising you so far? Um not overly. Um I think uh I mean the I mean looking at the the win rates, they're all below um at 50%, which is obviously the first sign that they're they're not doing that flash but as as pete said it's not the it's not the only only stat um the uh, astra militarum um it's it's interesting because um you know once again small sample size of games um but of that small sample size of games uh when they went first um uh, they had a win rate of 58 percent um but nice. when they when okay. they went second they had a win rate of 35%. Oof, um, that, once that's again, the tale of the tape, isn't it? I mean, we're talking, um, you know, we've got just shy of 700 games, uh, tournament games looking at, uh, at which which got the, the 41% win rate for, for guard. Uh, and of those, we pretty much had about 50 where they went first and 60 where they went second. Um, so once again, small numbers, but, um, you know, I, I think that that says a lot um uh, about um uh, about that um what i've what i have been um tend to what i tend to notice when i'm looking at the um the win rates for first and second when we have a much smaller data set i'm trying to then compare it with the overall win rate where we have a much larger set and trying to work out if they kind of you know if they kind of make sense because you expect the mm-hmm. first term win rate to be higher than their overall and the 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 second turn um uh win rate to be to be lower um and theoretically it might be somewhere in the middle of the two um but i mean if you look at that 58 and then 35 you know it's 
you know six points or six percent um, uh, off their um, off their overall is their is their second term win rate, and it's a ma- mm. like it's a massive then uh, what seventeen points uh, or seventeen percent I should say um, to to jump when they went first. So um, I w- I would say that they're, they're probably um, going as 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 well as it sounds. They're not going great, yeah. um, and if they go first. Um, yeah, sure. Maybe they're 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 getting enough um getting enough punch in there, but I'd say it's probably that glass cannon kind of kind yeah. of approach. Um, if they don't they don't do a hard enough hit the first, then they're screwed. Yeah, and I th- yep. I think that plays out if you look at a lot of those um, factions with their first go first versus go second. The ones that seem and uh, and this is just from cursory glance at your data plus like some extensive look at the ITC Battles app stuff. Um, the factions that are commonly considered a gun line or that have played as a gun line, the, the disparity between that go first, go second is massive compared mm. to other factions, right? Um, so you have these guys that are getting like admech with like a 60 some odd percent win rate if they go first um, and like a 30% win rate when they go second. Um, that's a faction that everybody thought was like tier one, S tier, yeah. going to yep. wreck ninth edition. They had some nerfs, of course, when they got the point changes, but they were still looked super strong. We've only mm. recently started to see results out of them that were, you know, very good. Um, and it was with a complete change to how they, how people expected them to play. And I imagine that is because the, this go first, go second thing for Admech, um, most of the early builds were like, if I go first, I wreck you. But if yeah, that was the second, Mars, the Mars gunline archetype, which is just like, oh, if you go first, there's you got no chance in hell unless you can hide yeah. literally the whole army. Yeah, but a lot of that stuff also not easy to hide, right? Ballastari, mm. they're big yeah, jockey exactly boys. Right. Reachers yep. are big jockey boys. So, anyway, it, I mean that is opinion based off of the numbers we're seeing, but that's where I would go with it. Um, mm. Necrons also very uh, very low, but not a lot of play. They're a faction that I haven't talked a lot about in other yeah. uh, formats so either because so people aren't big. playing them. Sorry, just backtrack a little bit. Have you got the next like two or three uh, up the ladder above from Guard ready to go? Yeah. So Necrons, it would probably yeah, be right yeah. there. I would put Necrons and Guard at about the same spot. Um, yep. And then we've got Thousand Suns and Chaos Space Marines. So T Suns and CSM. So that's interesting. So that that band in of in of itself, you know, there's nothing Imperium in that band. That's a Xenos and two Chaos factions. Interested to see T Suns uh, making an appearance here. I actually would have thought they'd be lower, um, just due to the the smite changes and things like that. But uh, CSM, I think that that's about right for CSM. They are kind of lower middle of the pack, aren't they? They've got like one really strong build we've seen with Noise Marines. Um, mm-hmm. That's had some like mostly RTT play versus. Um, versus regular uh the the best csm results we've had have been very have been very like chaos undivided lists where they've got demons and such because demons are so strong death guard are so strong right um so that's what they're tying in to kind of make everything work yeah those three factions make a lot of sense to me so probably jump on to the next couple if you got those ready um imperial knights is in that kind of same boat as t suns and chaos space marines very similar stats to them um Blood Angels probably right up above that. But then this is where we kind of see a big jump is after yeah. Knights and Thousand Suns, there's this jump from these like low 40 percentile win rates with very low um, average first round loss, basically no T-Whip representation or minimal T-Whip representation. Um, there's this big jump to Blood Angels. They're at like a 47% win rate. So almost at that 50 
they do have a tournament win, although it was mixed. It was like uh, Daniel Hesselberg with 1,800 points of Blood Angels with like 200 yep. points of Admech, but still, um, but still. <laughs> so, so they do have some. They do have some decent results. They do have a couple four O's. Like they, they have seen representation. Their win rate, though, there's a lot of people bringing them down. A lot of people bringing those suckers down. Mm. Yeah, it is, they, it's surprisingly they. As the same we said for guard, BA players tend to be pretty diehard BA players, and uh, yeah, the good play, the, but the good BA players are terrifying, absolutely terrifying individuals. So you're saying this is the cutoff. This is where we see genuine T whip uh, representation, and we start to see armies that um, are contenders now. Yeah, and yep. it, I think there was assumption that everything below this line that we've just so we've got so starting the bottom. And just to recap, so far, we've got Craft Wheels, Tower, Dark Angels, then Guard, Necrons, T-Suns, Chaos Space Marines, Imperial Knights. And I'm just going to go ahead and put them as the C-class factions, guys. That is in the C tier right now. Everything from BA upwards is going to be either BA or S. Um, and what is what is the next one above BA, mate? So it's Tyranids. Um, Tyranids, not a ton of amazing results. They're still sitting at a good like 46 47% win rate, depending on, on what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, they're being carried by like one or two people. If, <laughs> if, if someone yeah. put this in the C tier, I wouldn't be like, what are you talking about? Mm. Um, because like they don't, I don't know if they, they're com- super competitive, but you know, 200 gots is a thing. Um, <laughs> right. we, know, we know the dude who's making that a thing. <laughs> but yeah, like and, I said, so I just, I'll just preface this again. The reason we're doing this now is because I expect like another three to four thousand games to come in between time we're doing it now uh time we're doing it next and this ladder is going to look completely different yeah. but i love that we're getting it down now we got we got a baseline to work from from where this the, the people were from this sample what's the next one up from nids i just want to pause um, on nids just for a second um yeah, so sure. one of the one of the things that um uh, i think it was actually a um a reddit post that uh the the magical uh mr heffelfinger um shared on the old facebook um but about about stats, and there was a, a a good solid point when it was um, brought up, and I wanted to touch on Tyranids. Um, of those games in Tyranids, there is a big difference between two hundred plus gaunt lists and a monster bash. Like, yeah, they exactly. are. You look at the um, five hundred eighty three tournament games that we have um, in BCP and down under pairings uh, for Tyranids, and you may they they may as well be completely different factions or different data points. Um, yeah. So uh, and it's 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 really hard to to work out where that fine line is between um, when you know one list changes from one archetype to another. Um, also, it's just a minefield trying to actually um, uh, categorize those lists into specific archetypes. Yeah. But I, I feel yeah. as though Tyranids are probably that biggest one. Where you where people say, "Hey, Tyranny is a hot garbage," uh, and then Eric, the man, the myth, the legend, Lathurus, um, comes out and just smashes face left, right, and center with them, and people go, "Oh, but they're rubbish." And people go, "Well, are, are you bending over the table for you know however many games over the weekend trying to push two hundred plus models?" Like, hell no, uh, I ain't playing that list. No one's playing that list. <laughs> it's a shit list to play. But yeah, <laughs> physically, I, I get what you, I get what you're saying though. But there is some like when we talk about these these data sets and stuff. Like the, you're absolutely right. The difference between 
like Monster Mash Tyranids and the Gaunt Carpet Tyranids is is apples and oranges. They're, they're two different species entirely. The fact that they both have synapses is like the only correlation between them. Um, yeah. And they, were, they had the same psyche powers. That's literally it. They might as well be two different factions. But um, one one day maybe we'll start having people like put their – like we'll have an archetype drop box where people put their lists up and you can tick Horde, you can tick uh, Monster Mash, you can tick Mechanized, you can tick – Alpha Strike or whatever, and uh, we'll be able to get another category yeah. into there. And that's something we're going to do at the end of this. We're going to get these two gentlemen wish listing about the things that they wow. wish that they can track, the things that I, we, they want to track in the future. I I, I put to um to to the Falcon who is uh, much more knowledgeable about this space than I. But um uh if if you had to bet anything um uh what would you be happily willing to bet that people would not select the right archetype. They can't even select <laughs> the right faction. <laughs> uh, yeah, Savagery is real. I'd no bet comment. my house. No comment. I'd bet my house. <laughs> All right. All right. Back, back, to it. back to the ladder. Enough tomfoolery. What's above news, mate? Um, Gene Steeler Colts would normally be here. We've only got like eight representation. For, like eight people yeah. have played Gene Steeler Colts since launch because, like, let's face it, they're not in a good spot. Um. I'm there. We have seen a couple top fours, shockingly, out of Gene Steeler cults. Um, of those eight people, that's kind of why I'm putting them here. Um, but it's eight. I have no confidence in that data. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm happy to leave them off for the time being, just because of the low sample size. Exactly. Um, so then, next up would be um, yep. probably Renegade Knights. So yep. this is a faction. Saw some kind of early success. Um, they're like a three-two faction. Um, yeah, maybe true gatekeeper. Yeah, like they they can win. They 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 have the capability of winning. I don't think they have the capability of winning a GT, right? They probably oh, have. Smash, they probably have the smash largest. They probably have the largest spread, albeit um, you know, twenty games first, twenty games second. They probably have the largest spread between go first win rates and go second win rates at a seventy four percent if they go first and a thirty three percent if they go second. Like. That wow. is, uh, I'm pretty confident in saying that is the biggest spread um, that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, it's uh, it's 20 games a pop. That's not a. Um, that's not a. I, I wouldn't um, write home about it too much, but um, it's it's still quite a staggering um, percentage difference. Yeah, that's that's actually ridiculous. The fact that they're winning 73 percent of the time going first that is pretty astounding, though. Um, yeah, I'd be very. Yeah, that is actually. Really phenomenal. Um, um, what's above? It is worth Sorry? saying that their, their overall win rate is 47, which is pretty much smack bang between those numbers. Um, mm-hmm. When you th- when you throw out yeah. the, when you throw out the fact that we had 20 first and 20 second turns, um, like it is fair to extrapolate out, um, albeit is making some wild assumptions of the 230 tournament games. If you said half of them went first, they were probably around that 75% win rate. And if half of them went second, they'll probably run at thirty-three percent win rate. So I mean, that's um, that's where you start seeing the um, the smaller um, sample size at least correlating with um, the larger sample size. Um, even though you do have to draw a little bit of a um, a, a long bow to to get there. Yeah. All right, um, Peter, my man. What is next above Renegade Knights? So this is where um, I split out the co- the codex supplements for Space Marines. So keep that in mind. Yep. Um, yep. I don't just call it Marines because like everybody plays different. Um, yeah. So I would right. Ultramarines here. So Ultramarines they have a decent win rate. It's about fifty fifty, which is kind of where they've been since you 
since forever, um, Ultramarines have been like just a solid 50-50 win rate. Good players can make them work. Bad players definitely do not. And they, they kind of put them in this spot. Um, they've got different, decent representation. Their numbers um, in terms of like for average first round loss are okay. They are like your median army. Like They are average in every way. <laughs> what could be more ultramarine than being like literal beige on the yeah, battlefield? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are vanilla ice cream in, in its purest form. Someone should just paint them beige, right? They should, yeah, yeah. Beige, beige be marines. Beige. beige marines. All right. What's above the ultras? I would put Drukari here next. So Drukari actually nice. has a very, a very good win rate um, in terms of GT play at like 53%, which is very high. Um, but a lot of their other metrics are a little lower. So they're not they're not getting to that fourth round without a loss. Um, but they're putting up like they're putting up a couple four and ones. Um it's it's just they they're hitting a wall early compared to other factions. That's been my most surprising inclusion so far to see them that high up. I thought that once you said craft worlds, we'd find them probably somewhere around about where Chaos Space Marines are. Um yep. But them being that high, I think that's pretty awesome. That's actually fantastic. Now, um, the, the other thing I'll say about them is they seem to be kind of centered on one build. So this is very similar to how Necrons were in 8th, where Necrons were universally considered terrible, except the one build. And that build yeah. did a lot of work. Um, and we're seeing it here. Now, this build hasn't won anything like it did for Necrons, um, but it, it, this is kind of where I would put them. They have a, they're a one-hit wonder, but that one hit is really strong in this edition, or decently strong. What's the next one up? Um, next one up, I would say at this point is probably going to be um, Grey Knights, and the next like three or four are very, very close. Um, so is, are we safe to say that um, from Blood Angels to Drakkar, we could call that our B tier? Sure. Yeah. We, we're starting to hit A tier stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, I would say at this point we're kind of in an A tier. We're getting yep. there's like ten or so factions left that actually have representation. So. Um, so I would say Grey Knights are next. Grey Knights do have a, a, a GT win. Um, they've got a number of really good showings, a couple five and ones, four and ones. They're at a 52% win rate, but the rest of their statistics are, are very good. Like they're they're good across the board. They're they're managing to make stuff work. Um, after that, no, oh, sorry. Yep, and I, I think I think we can talk we can talk to this a little bit more when we get to the secondaries that are picked because Josh has got all the secondaries that have been picked and how often they get picked and such like that. Um, GKs more than anybody else are starting from a, a points deficit. Like mm -hmm. of, like if you if your opponent hasn't bought a psyker, you're starting at, you're starting fifteen <laughs> points down. So the fact that they're able to get this kind of a win rate still just is a real testament to the player base and to the the strength of the book. But yeah, moving on, Pete. Um, next up, I would say Space Wolves and Iron Hands probably in the same boat. Space Wolves do have a GT win. They do actually have several GT like top four performances yeah, versus mm -hmm. Iron Hands. So I would put Space Wolves above Iron Hands, at least in terms of uh, competitive play. Um, but Iron Hands, uh, they, they're just consistent, like a fifty-three percent win rate. They're like if you take them to a tournament, you you're probably comfortable going three and two. Like you, there's no, you're just going to do it. Um, like the chewing gum stuck to the sole of your foot. It just yeah. accumulates other bits of garbage along the way, and eventually you're able to scrape it off, but by then the damage is done. You've yeah. ruined your floors. Yeah, so I iron think hands. a good iron hand, like a good iron hands list, it's, you can comfortably do well with it. You probably can't win yeah. like everything, but like you can just walk in with that, hungover, no brain function whatsoever, and pull off a 3-2 pretty consistently. Hmm. What's next up from there? Um, next up, this is um, Admech. 
Yep. I was wondering when we were going to see them. So um, Ad Mac was probably lower on this um, up until recently. We didn't have a lot of good results for them. They were sitting kind of steady at a 50 to 51% win rate. So you knew they could do something, but we hadn't gotten, we hadn't gotten the stuff we expected, right? They were like the big disappointment. We talked about this earlier, but then we had the Hanseatic open 101 player major in Germany. Some of the top players from Europe were there and <clears throat> third place and fourth place were Admech running two completely different builds. Both yeah, going, both going, you know, five zero and one or four zero and one. So like undefeated. The only draw they had was against each other. They had enough, <laughs> had enough victory points. Both of them, where they probably would, if they hadn't had that draw, they would. One of them would have just won the event because they had more victory points. Than Harlequin. It's hard to say because they probably would have had to play the Harlequin players that were above them. Um, but you know, like that's that's a really good showing. We saw Rickard Nilsson completely kind of change the concept of the yeah. of the. Admech shooty list by taking almost 30 Electro Priests to make it more of a close combat army. And changing it into a, a mono detachment mixed um, yeah. list. Which I, and we had Rick, Rickard Nielsen on our Admech episode, which I think has been touted as possibly the best faction-focused episode we've done. But I, I, that thing has got so much traction. That, that dude is amazing as well. Yes, he like he's he is probably the best ad, like active Admech player in the world, right? Um, and then... As, as an the innovator, other, like, absolutely. So yeah. continue. Sorry. And then, I mean, uh, in the other place, we have you know uh, the breacher spam list, the like data node, um, which you also saw get to top table at Brisbane GT. Yeah, so, our man, Mister McGowan, who might be joining us for the Necron episode for those uh, listening in. So, like, it, they they definitely have the results. Um, we're starting to see them come out of the woodwork. It's it'll be interesting to see if they stay um, in this kind of almost top tier. But yeah, I would put Admec next. What's up from Admech? Up from Admech is going to be... Um, this is where I'd probably put Imperial Fists, although now with the FAQ, they're probably like an F-tier faction. Um, yeah, they are going <laughs> to see such a decline from this position. It's going to be amazing. Send them to the bench. <laughs> like Imperial <laughs> Fists, if you look at um, ITC Battle Apps data, which mostly doesn't pull them out, so you have to really look for it. But if you look at like BCP data... Um, they're a little bit lower. They've got like a 55% win rate in uh, tournament play, but not a lot of results. So that's why I'm I'm iffy on putting them any higher, despite that. Um, they're that also being a lot said, lower when you take when you when you open up that um, sample size as well. So the they're only 46% win rate when you include all the events. Exactly. So that's when that's where they kind of start to drop off. At a GT level, there have been a couple people that made them work. Not as much data here for me to be super confident. So this is where I would say, like, this might just be one one or two guys. Well, I know it's one or two guys that are really pushing it. Um, but yeah, so that's where that's where that stands. Um, next up is probably going to be, and this is where it, this one hurts me to say it, but it's custodies. I wanted custodies so hard to be a, like an S tier faction. S tier, yeah. And, they looked really good on paper. They are still good. Like, don't get me wrong. They've absolutely got two. Right. They've got two tournament wins. One of them was like absolutely the most. One of the most stacked, like thirty player GTs you're going to see in in North America. Um, so it's not like the guy played a bunch of chumps and won. Like he he got he went through. I mean, to be fair, he played a, a go first list and went first every game. So that helped him. But still, <laughs> like. So custodies can win. They also had that win at uh, 
um, in New Zealand. So, so like they're there. They're definitely competitive. They have a very high win rate, uh, 54%. Uh, and that 54% carries through in the BCP data that we have, that like whatever 17,000 games are at a 54. Yep. So that's not terrible. And they are the most played faction that's not like mono codex Marines if you, ju- if you don't try to split them out. Um, and they had like a 57% win rate in ITC Battles app. Their ITC Battles app stats are absolutely absurd. Like they destroy everybody all over the place. Um, they had only one bad matchup when you looked at that data. Um, so like you can definitely make them work just at a GT level. They start to struggle. They always seem to hit that, that barrier that, um, yeah. and it's generally, if you look at the faction versus faction stats, um, you can see that on 40kstats.com. It's Marines. Um, mm, it is, yeah. and okay. Marines at a competitive level beat the piss out of custodies. Mm. So, so if you're a custodies player and you're not building to deal with Marines like that, you're going to have a problem. It's literally all you need to do. Make sure you got a decent Marine matchup, and you're already well ahead of the rest. Diffie, yeah. anything you got to add? Yeah. So, so custodes or custodies, um, uh, the the custard tarts of the the 40k, um, uh. Yeah, over a thousand uh, tournament games, which uh, is is a pretty solid metric, I feel, for any one faction. Um, yeah. They're also the first one that we've spoken about so far that has a um, a a reasonable number of games, but B has a second turn win rate of of forty five or higher. Um, so uh, with with seventy five games, we know they went first. They're sitting at fifty nine percent, and of seventy eight, where we know they went second. They're sitting at forty-five. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the strongest second turn win rate we have, yeah. Or is there? Is oh, there, the Marine, there is sorry. there is there is stronger. Um, there is stronger, yeah. but out of the ones we've um, talked about so far, that's the that's pretty much the strongest. Fantastic, and that's that's indicative of just of just where they're at in the meta. But yeah, they do just seem to have a hard counter. Like Marines, are just seem to be their their glass ceiling. They can't really break through. Um, what's the one up from Custodes? And now this is where I'm adding a little bit of opinion. I hate to do it. Yep. You know me. Yep. I, I, I'm I very stats-driven. I'm going to put orcs here. So orcs, yep. um, if you look at the BCP data, not great. 46% win rate, 48, something like that. Um, not super stellar. If you look at the ITC battle app stats, they're like a 54. Very strong, right? When you look at competitive GT events, they've got, a, they've got very good representation for the field. Um, for what we have, and they're sitting at like a fifty-eight percent win rate. So but orcs are bad paid. What are you talking about? Yeah, this is where a lot of people probably be like, "Well, why aren't you putting them S tier?" The reason why I'm I'm not uh, is because a lot of that success is isolated to a particular area. Like they have a couple wins in North, not win. They have a couple top fours in North America. Um, they won the like uh, Warzone Atlanta very early in the edition. They were top two there they won they came in second at the that fredericksburg gt the one that custodies won um yep. which was like a murderer's row so we know they have they can do it um but they're like big big wins they've gotten have all been on your side of the pond australia new zealand yeah. you guys are tearing yeah. up with them um yeah we have some legitimate like some legitimate swinging for the fence lads who are just diehard orc players. I seem to be making them work on the table as well. Mostly using the horde archetype, um, steering yeah. away from the buggies. And uh, we know how strong hordes are down here, so that, that's that's part of the course. And I think hordes are strong in general. It's just it takes a completely different mindset to play a horde. Um, yeah, 
It, it needs the player. The horde needs the player. The player doesn't need the yeah. horde. You know exactly. And you, you like the the you. Ha- it's controlled aggression, which is very strange mm-hmm. compared to how you would have played it in other editions, right? Like how yeah, am I exactly controlling right. and not dying too fast? Mm. Um, so, but I, I think you alluded to something, you're, and you're saying that this is this is encompasses the A tier: Grey Knights, Iron Hand, Space Wolves, Admech, Imperial Fist, Custodes, and Orcs. And from up here, we're going to S tier. I would say at this point, anything higher is in like an S tier faction. Yeah, mm. in my opinion, so based off. Of what's, what's what's our first S tier? Um, White Scars. White Scars first. No surprises. I mean, the BCP data has them at like a sixty percent win rate. I've got them at about a 56, 50, 55 and a half, but they've got a lot of uh, T whip res- representation. Their average first round loss is well into almost like a two point five. Um, so they're pulling weight. They they do the Lord's work. They kind of they often get <laughs> talked about in the in like a competitive setting as like these guys are are the strongest up there with salamanders. Yeah. But then people yeah. forget because they see all the salamanders results, right? I mean, we had John Lennon win probably the biggest major, maybe the biggest major we're even going to have. We'll this, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, uh, the Iron Halo with White Scars. He did it in like absolute amazing fashion it was very like it was a clinic on how to play ninth edition i think when you watch those games the game that we got to see at least from him yeah so it's extremely strong the on on that game i think um adam and i um have this general rule when we stream games that we don't mic the players because um we don't want to add the pressure to them and also who knows what the f they're gonna say um (laughs) yeah uh, but like that game you you just Mike, the players sit back and they were talking it through. It was you, yeah. you, it was a it was an impressive game to watch, uh, and and it literally was a a a class on how to play ninth edition. Um, yep. Which because, you just, yeah, sorry, awesome. You keep going. You keep going. I'm I'm. Um, well, on 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 white scars. Um, uh, it's it's one of the the factions that um that that I think is being you know a bit of the boogeyman kind of at the moment. Um, at least people. Are, are talking about it a lot. Um, I think those that follow um, Art of War are seeing a lot of um, uh, White Scars doing quite well in uh, with with um, with John Lennon. Um, it is we don't really have the um, I think the data to really back too much up. I mean, we have we have eleven games where we know they went first. Um, yeah, and it is worth pointing out of those eleven games, twenty seven percent win rate. So you know, just saying. Um, and uh, of the 18, we know they went second. Uh, they're the first faction, albeit only 18 games, first faction we've spoken about where um, the win rate going second was above 50% and it's 67%. That's amazing. Um, now, once again, 18 games, uh, 12 wins. Like It's, it's um, nothing to write home about, but um, it, is, it is the first one that we've seen so far that, that um, well, yeah, that has um, a a better win rate going second than they do both overall and um, going first. And the first one, it's over 50%. So it's like, there's a lot of firsts here. Yeah. Just based. So just to extrapolate on that, that would make me suggest or make me assume that these, these are, are players who are building white scars on the premise of going second. That would be what I would assume from that data. Sorry, Pete, go. No, I was going to say, I think, I think this shows the, power of a faction that can go second comfortably right mm-hmm. like yep. white scars are so fast um they have durability so if you have to leave uh, you know your, your dick hanging out a little bit um over the edge of a of, of a ruin or something you you might survive right um 
and and then just like the speed, the actual raw strength. Um, this is definitely, in my opinion, like a faction you need to when you see it across the table, you need to be worried about it because they they have so many tools. Their stratagems are so powerful, their relics are so powerful. Like everything about this faction is very strong. A couple of other really interesting stats about white scars. Um, so the average um points for um any faction for a win uh is uh 74.8 so 75 points um for the win uh with a spread so beating their opponent on average by so the those who win um uh are winning by uh 34 points um this is a an overall over the 17 um plus thousand games um we we know this uh when you look at mm. white scars um they have an average win um of 80 points so an, a whole yeah. five points above the average they're, they're like one of the only ones with a with an average of 80 point win and their spread is uh just shy of 37 um once again one of the biggest spreads so they are they are scoring high and when they win they're winning big um, and i'll say like it, it matches gt play at, at a gt level we're looking at an average win score of 83 and the opponent scoring 47. So same, heinous, same spread, same, discrepancy. same yeah. spread, but they're, they're, it's, they're just, they're just scoring so high, which means a few things. One, uh, when you start getting a, um, uh, an average points win of, of that high, um, or even when you look at just their average points, their average points, win or lose is 66.73. Like, um, so yeah. even when they're losing, they're still scoring high, um, and uh, which means they're good on primary, good on secondary. They're the two like they're the things that um, that that when you're looking at a faction, if you can be good on both, oh, um, these yeah. are the ones that do it. Yeah. So, gentlemen, we're going to actually take an ad break here. So we are we are almost an hour into this bad boy, and we haven't even we've still got the rest of S tier to go. So we're going to take a short ad break. You have some wonderful people who are involved and uh, with uh, Frontline Gaming Network, and hopefully some interesting things that you're intrigued by. And we will catch you on the other side to wrap up the rest of this ladder. Um, so catch you in a moment. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. 
For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. And we are back. Hopefully there was some amazing podcasts and other stuff and whatever. But here we are. We're back with these two fine gentlemen. Next S-tier strategy. Actually, sorry. Pete told us that during the commercial break, he missed a faction. I did. Where I is got, that? I got so distracted. Bench him. Yeah. I, for, I got I distracted. Let's Revoke his license. I want him out of my league. No, back go. it up. Back it up. Beep, beep, beep. S-tier. Get away from us. There's one more A-tier faction. And this one is another one I think is a surprise given where where we thought they would be when the game started and it's death guard so death guard as a faction have some really good statistics they definitely know how to play the game people see them as being a big boogeyman they put out tons of mortal wounds when they want to they they play the board really well a lot of people just haven't figured it out they have a shite win rate their average first round loss is not very good but they've got a ton of top fours um a ton and it's because they, um, like a good uh, Death Guard player makes them work. Death Guard to me are very similar um, to how Orcs played in 8th edition. Orcs had a yep. terrible win rate all through 8th, even when that early time when everyone thought they were broken, they were had like a 45% win rate. And everyone thought they were the scariest thing in the board, right? And then they got a bunch of nerfs. They stayed at that 45% win rate. But they were also the, the faction that had the most tournament wins of any faction in the game until Marines came out. Yeah. Right? Yep. We're kind of seeing a similar thing coming on here with Death Guard. Death Guard, 48% win rate. Their average first round loss is less than two. They've got six or seven top fours. And this is only when we've got like 20 tournaments to look at. Hmm. Um, That's huge. Yeah. And uh, they ha- they've got tournament wins. This new Mephitic Blighthaller list that a lo- that people are talking about is putting in work, and it just got better. Um, Multi Meltas are now better, so like that's a lot going for it. Um, so I would I want to put these guys firmly in the A tier because statistically, they're low in a, a number of metrics, but they like their T whip is is very high for a faction. Like they're in like yeah. the top five for T whip, um, despite having all this other stuff going against them. Would you, would you, based on that, what assumption would could you make if you could? You, would this be something you would attribute to perhaps bandwagoning? Um, it's it's a tough one. I think. Uh, look, any of these stats, um, and this is why, if you look at any one stat, as Pete was saying right at the beginning of the episode, um, in isolation, um, they're they're not telling you anything. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if if I simply said to you, Death Guard had eight hundred tournament games. And they won forty-five percent of them. Like you go, okay, they're they're losing more than they're winning. Okay, that's that's all I just told you. Um, but yep. when you then throw in things like the T whip scores, you see that they're actually making top fours. All right, what what that tells me is um, of the uh, air brackets, quote unquote, good players that are playing Death Guard, um, they're doing quite well. Yeah, uh, and they're, they're uh, laying it down. Yeah, and and that's why I think once we we get a bit more um games under the belt because one of the things i said at the start i'd love to be looking at these stats at the you know the the top 10 percent kind of um uh player problem is if i said let's look at the top 10 percent of players then those seventeen thousand games you know just drop dramatically to Mm -hmm. um to 1700 games um uh, and and (laughs) and so everything so we don't we don't have enough uh, enough numbers to cut it down that small yet um, so, yeah. uh, so we've, we've got to go with what we've got. Uh, and, the I said the T, the T whip score, I think is possibly, uh, one of the best, um, metrics 
that you can use with a small sample size. Because I don't, I don't yep. give I don't give a rat's um, how many games um, a faction's played. You know, if out of twenty GTs um, that we have, if they are getting in the top four of a big chunk of those, um, then clearly the faction has has some balls. Um, yeah. And uh, and on the flip side, um, I don't really care how high the win rate is if they're not if we're not seeing it at the Although no, that's a lie. They've got a high win rate. They're probably they're probably at the point. <laughs> Here's the point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, it's it's uh, it's quite interesting when you look at the win rates. Um, there's there's very you know it seems odd, but there's actually a, a, a lot um, a lot of factions which have a below fifty percent win rate. A lot of mm, them. yes, a lot. Um, yes, uh, and and so you know does it. But we're still seeing, uh, I feel, a fair bit of um, diversity on the podiums, uh, yes. which which suggests to me that, um, uh, as some random post on Reddit that um, I can't attribute to anyone because um, I don't know who wrote it, and it was shared by uh, the 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 Mister Heffelfinger, uh, was uh, was basically saying, um, you you can't like. You need more information to make some of these um, wide, um, wild um, you know, allegations or, or calls um, of you know something being broken or, or not broken. Um, yeah, I mean that 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 thread was very interesting. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too long because that's not what the, what we're here for. Yeah. But the concept was this guy was saying like he was getting very mad that people were using statistics to talk about factions, and he was he was a hundred percent right and and like 60% wrong because all of his <laughs> allegations, all the things he was saying that he was mad about are things that I'm mad about. And I'm the guy that makes the stats, right? Mm. Like I shouldn't say I'm the guy that makes the stats. I'm the guy that like, <laughs> tracks all these stats. Right. Um, so I felt them like it's because there are things and I, and I try to, to, to fight this when I see it. Right. Because it's, it's all, it's, it's bad analytics. It's and some, and, not everybody wants to spend an hour and a half looking at all the data and going through every statistic and and trying to make a big picture, right? They want to get the easy bites, right? They want to say, okay, well, this faction has a 50% win rate, so they're okay. This faction is a 30% yeah. win rate, so they're garbage, right? But they don't, they never go further. And I've had a number of discussions with people where they'll be like, orcs are terrible. They're awful. They're the worst. And then I'll come back and say, well, you know, like we've got five, six first, uh, like first place finishes. We've got this going for them. Like statistically, they look real good, right? Hmm. Um, but it's being able to to go a little bit deeper so that you don't get into well, the win rate's the only thing that matters, or this is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Um, so I felt for the guy, and Val came in and kind of made the points that I wanted to make, right? Like, because basically he made a really sound argument for what was wrong, but his answer was like, we shouldn't have statistics, which is kind of where he was going with, versus we need to be better able to look at them and determine what they're worth. Yeah, uh, I think very well said, gentlemen. What's the next S tier up from White Scars? Okay, so uh, and by the way, this S tier I would say is in no particular order. I think all of Absolutely these are yeah. are relatively even. Once once you get to this kind of power, it's on for young and old. Yeah, and uh, and uh, unless I decide to make an S plus tier, but anyway, I would put Sisters Ooh. of Battle next. Sisters of Battle wow. very strong. They've got a lot of good showings compared to the amount of play they're seeing. Yeah, so what, what you're saying there is what there, there's not a hell of a lot of people who are playing them, but people who are, are are crushing it. They're doing really well. They've got they did just get a GT win. Uh, Jordan Gledhill played at the uh, Red Rock GT, 
which in Utah, and I mean, he's playing against some of some amazing players to get there. He beat Rich Kilton, who's like my favorite 40k player of all time. Um, so awesome. he's pulling, he, he, he pulled out some great stuff. We're seeing a lot of really good things out of sisters. Um, and they only just got incredibly better. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, exactly right. Everything that they did just like doubled, Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't want to, don't want to throw the, throw the die too quickly, but my God, did they go up? They shot right up yeah. where that's interesting though, is I think more than any other faction, that um we've seen i think there was more hobby lag associated with sisters than i think a lot of people have noticed mm-hmm. they sold out phenomenally quickly a lot quicker than gw expected and so many people were cl- clamoring to get these specialist new specialist units that were going to be their bread and butter of these new lists and mm-hmm. so i feel like this is indicative of the fact we've only just started seeing sisters start to put up some scores and a lot of the things that are kind of coming out as probably being really good in in ninth, uh, at least up until this FAQ where I think the list changes, um, were things that people didn't build in eighth. Like exactly we're, right. we're seeing people running like nine to twelve mortifiers in lists. Yeah, what um, the hell? And, <laughs> and if you want to talk hobby leg, build nine to twelve of those suckers when exactly you can't even right. find them, <laughs> and then to make a competitive list. Triumph of Saint Catherine started to seeing play at the very end of eighth. We're seeing it occasionally here in ninth. Same idea. You got to build that thing to play it. Um, so yeah, and now we're gonna probably move into like retributors and rhinos and other shady yeah. shenanigans. Yep. So exactly it's gonna be right. a, another whole turn. But they they they're very strong. They've got a very high win rate, uh, like fifty five percent. Their average first round loss is quite good. Like they across the board, very good statistics. Are they as good as white scars were coming into this? Maybe not, but they're definitely in that same kind of tier. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, what's what's up from Sisters? Um, Chaos Demons. There we go. I was wondering where they were going to show up. So, so this is another surprise to put them this high up. Um, but they've got several wins, a lot of foreign ones, and they're they're just good. And they're not just good in GT level data. They're performing at that uh, ITC Battle App data. They're performing in the BCP data. They have, I believe, the highest uh, points per game, um, in my data at least, of any really? faction. Yeah. Diffy, what have you got to correlate from yours? Um, so they have, uh, I've got them as a 60% win rate on 300 games, or 296 to be um, more accurate. Um, uh, of that, I have about 40 where I know they went first, which is 63% win rate, and 40 where I know they went second, where it was 71% win rate. Um, Ooh, wow. So wow. They, are, um, they are just dominating um, on on all the numbers. Uh, I've got them uh, at uh, yeah, they have they've got the highest average number of points win or lose um, uh, with the exception of um, and these numbers can't be correct. Um, I've got three games apparently of Sisters of Silence. They won all three, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and three <laughs> games of Imperial Agents. Um, we'll ignore those uh, six games. Watch out! For, no, 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 watch out! I'm putting them in the S tier. They're coming <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, um, they've got a, uh, they've got a solid spread. Uh, so when they, uh, they're winning on average by thirty six point six. Um, points, yeah. which uh, is like the second or third highest um spread um at, yeah so as i said it's just on every every metric they are doing well 
Um, yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, so I've got them at just over an 80. And this is, by the way, only when they win. I'm not talking overall. If you look at the at 40kstats.com, you'll see that Salamanders, Custodes, like average VP is a little bit higher than Demons. But average VP when they win uh, for Demons is over 83. So like they they score a lot. Even when they lose, they score a lot. Um and it's it's very indicative of like um I was actually just on Best in Faction last night. I don't know when that episode going out, talking about Chaos Demons and how well they've performed. Um and like their list archetypes are just so good at board control that like the good chaos demon lists are just scoring 45s on primary right exactly right you can almost you like you walk up to the table and you see, you see your parents army like yeah i'm just going to write down your 45 primary before we start <laughs> because they're just going to get it uh it, it's actually insane how reliable they are at getting those points and on top of that they're able to build armies that they give up like minimal to no secondaries themselves and probably you're probably going to give up assassinate if they decide to choose it which is a big call by your opponent saying you're going to kill all those greater demons or all those heralds and things behind all the shields it's just a big call to, to say and so easy to play around if you do for by a clever player but yeah dude, i'm not surprised to see them up there but man those numbers uh, are staggering but uh what's the next one up from there the next one up is going to be what do we got left here we don't have a We've lot got, left i think we got three left got three. maybe two left i think we got two maybe I, and you'll have to if if i forgot one another one you'll have to let me know but my next one is probably going to be salamanders Yes, like I said, so we no have, particular yeah. order, but Salamanders, the the super bogeyman of uh, ninth edition so far. They started mm-hmm. off with a several wins early. They didn't stop winning. Um, yeah, Salamanders. They're yeah, just what more can we say? Good. I mean, so that's another one I expect to see drop off. I don't expect to see them significantly drop off. They might drop out of the S tier. Um, with these changes, but the fact is that Melter got better, and Melters and Flame is their wheelhouse. But the fact is, a lot of the a lot of the units that they're using those on got maybe got a little bit worse. So they might drop out of S into the high A's, but I, I don't expect them to move very much from where they are. They're still going to stay phenomenally powerful. And I know for a fact there's one more here, and there might be I, I, don't, I can't remember if there's one more on top of this, but the clowns are next. Yeah. Oh yeah, Harlequins. So in the clowns. <laughs> In my data, Harlequins are second in most things to Salamanders. Um, but when you look at at the other data sets, if you look at ITC Battles app, if you look at what Diffie has here for the BCP data, um, Harlequins are just so friggin' good. And yeah, they just keep showing up. The only Eldar list that we had that did that, remember we talked about how bad they were? I said there was one list that had gotten past round three or whatever of an event. Um, like because like of the way... <laughs> it was like 40% Harlequins, right? So the, because okay. of the way I, I track on 40kstats.com, I don't just look at mono faction. If it's a if it's an Eldari list, I will take the the faction that's the most prevalent and call it that. Um, so yeah, so it was a list that was like 40% Harlequins, 60% Craft Worlds, because Harlequins are just so friggin' good. Like you need to take them right now. They're so fast. They're, they control the board so well when they need to. Um, everything about them is just so good for ninth edition. And we're seeing it across literally every metric they're 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 second or first in at everything it's they're they're phenomenal they they are literally what i believe is the general's dream for ninth yeah. edition except like every, every, sorry i should i should yeah, say no. that except scoring yeah, they don't score very well but they grind out so well anyway that's and they smother your opponent's scoring ability they do but, uh, yeah so yes. they, they have one of the largest spreads uh, so when they win, they win by an average of 38 um, points. Uh, 
um, which is, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's the largest spread. Um, the other, the other interesting thing, I mean, you know, it's it's very odd to hear um, a couple of people talking about stats, constantly talking down how you know you can't read too much into it when we've already talked for well over an hour about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but the the really interesting thing here is of the 611 tournament games that I've got my hands on, they have a win rate of 64%. Okay. Wow. Now, yeah, that's a win rate very that's, high. A win rate that's below 50%, you can throw in the fact that, okay, there, there might be some scrubs pulling the numbers down. Okay. A win rate of... <laughs> of, of I'm like, happy you said that, Jenny, Diffie. <laughs> yeah, um, a win rate of 60 plus percent means that even the scrubs are winning. Like, a smashing face. Yeah, like that's, exactly right. That's what that number tells you. Um, because when it's it's also not a small number of games. I mean, uh, yeah. there's as I said, 611 games. Um, that's 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 a pretty pretty decent chunk uh, of 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 data. And there uh, of that, uh, 65 uh, games that went first, or that we know that went first, have a 58% win rate. Uh, the ones we know that went second, there's only 44 of those, uh, was a 66% win rate. So um, they went they they won by more. Um, when going second. And that's Breaking really that interesting trend. because when we looked at, um, if you looked at the ITC Battles app data, um, it had, I don't think it had any faction that did better going second. Um, so it kind of shows probably, I want to say, and this is where we have to get, where we have to start, you know, trying to extrapolate from the data that tournament play um, is a little bit better, at least on the side of, um, of uh this go first go second thing right because we have i mean and the other thing is your data numbers are very low when it comes to this so it is quite possible that it's just lack of information 100 percent, um, but but at the same time the fact that there are any that are boasting this this kind of success going second is uh is a very strong indicator that, that we need to think more and we need to, to look more at this go first go second data and i'm just very hopeful that um, BCP and down under pairings can keep up the scorecard system, get it going everywhere. Because this has been my dream since I started doing stats. We've talked yeah. about it multiple times in the past, guys. Like, I want to see everything. I want this to be like a Major League Baseball situation where yeah. I, I know what a guy did every Tuesday of the month, right? That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, I mean, so, I, would, I would love um, to uh, have some way of having the players also say whether or not, um, for example, it was a, a dense table like or a, an open table or a, like talk about the terrain like some kind of drop down box that says this is i know we're already getting down to the pipe dream that adam wanted at the end um mm-hmm. uh, oh this but, is the end go for okay. it okay <laughs> this um, is the end <laughs> we're <ending>. uh yeah <laughs> so I, I would say having some way of um of adding that uh that extra bit of information that we can kind of then separate that data out um it makes the data set like when you break it down sure it makes it smaller but if you if you looked at it and said, okay, of the ones where they went second and they won, you know, it was a dense table, and where they lost, it was an open table. You go, okay, the terrain was having a big impact there. Um, <laughs> like you, 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 you get to know more. Yeah, um, yeah. And something so- along that vein, um, and we talked about this pre-show that I would love. I absolutely want this. I've said it openly. I would love for GW to come out with a. Here's three or four examples of how your tables should be set up to play this edition. 
we talk a lot about, you know, terrain is so important. This go first, go second thing is so important, which I don't know if that's even the case, but like the terrain thing is, it's a hundred percent one of the most important things. And often when I see people talk about, you know, how, how they performed at an event or how an event did, um, like the first thing everybody goes to, and it's been this way for forever, but it's, it's like, well, was your terrain good? If they feel like there was a, a, a failing in the game, was your terrain good? And yeah. it's very subjective, right? Like what you're saying, Diffie, about like having a tech checkbox for is it dense or not? That's super subjective. There's going to be people that'll look at a table and they'll be like, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing ever. And then there'll be a competitive player that'll be like, I wouldn't play on that if my life depended on it, right? <laughs> because it's what they're used to. Um, yeah. If you come from like Fantasy Battle or Age of Sigmar and you're like, well, there's a forest, I guess we're good compared to <laughs> what we're supposed to have, right? Yeah. So I would love for that. I would love an article or something where they're just like, here's like five example tables of a proper t table density. This is why it works. It'd be so good. Or, it, would make, it would fill my heart with joy. They could easily well, just come out and just endorse what the WTC has done because they've literally done that. that. Yes. Um, if, they, if they came out and endorsed that, that would just literally be it. We would have that document already already made and adopted and so, voted upon by countries in the world saying that this is how we, we, we want the level of play to be. But GW, other, if you're listening... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. Sorry. Well, no, I, 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 I was going to add in. There's one other body that uh, could potentially chime in uh, and and just say use the WTC terrain, uh, and that's ITC. Yeah. Um, if ITC or Games Workshop were to say um, either use the WTC pack um, or they come up with their own, like I, I, I'm at a point where I don't really care. Where what? it comes from? <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, I don't even actually care what it is, as long as it's standard. Mm -hmm. So, um, if if we go um, and if if the terrain is too light in the pack, so to speak, um, and you know, but as long as it's standard, we can then start looking at those stats a bit better. Yeah, yeah, exactly and that's right. and that's what I'm getting at. Like, so GW, I know you listen. I know you do. <laughs> so, Jim Workshop, this is me direct to you. You guys have this meta Monday, meta game analysis new article thing you got going on. You had Nick Pavarotti on the show on the <laughs> he did an amazing job. Like I'm serious, it was a really a cool article. Yeah. Two years ago, if I'd seen this, I would have been like, "This is the greatest thing that ever happened in my life." Um, get Tom Adriani, get Bilbo Baggins, Isaac, whoever, <laughs> get somebody from WTC to write you an article. Three or four of their example tables. This is why we did it. Go mm. so in-depth that it's going to blow everybody's minds, and we win. We win. We win the world. Game over, man. No more <laughs> to talk about. I'm not saying everybody has to use those tables. I know, like, Tiffy's talking about standardized. A lot of people don't like that. But mm. if we have the example, and you can say, well, I didn't build that exactly, but I did this, which is so close. Yeah. Oh, mm. Yeah, I'm... Uh, so, I think... Um, it's, A whole new it's world. Funny. I think uh, one of the uh, things that's, um, that people are getting kind of tripped up over a bit at the moment on the terrain uh, is the number of pieces rather than the density. I remember a time yes. where it was basically um, uh, I would, uh, when setting up for, as a TO, when setting up for a tournament, I would literally put out the terrain um, into thirds on a table, so I, I just cover a whole third, cover another third, cover another third, and those are the, the the table behind, in front, and on. So like that's three tables worth of terrain. The whole table covered is three tables worth of terrain. That's the way I look at it. 
Um, that's and and you know whether or not that's that that works in ninth. Um, I'd, I'd need to actually measure it out, but I feel as though that it, instead of because what's the difference between a a, a nine by nine um, you know square piece of you know with ruins versus a tank trap? Like <laughs> anyway. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so, are, are there any other wish lists you guys would like for stats, or we just we're just going to leave it there? I know there's one that um, that Pete wants that uh, I'm going to have to get off my ass and um, and make sure is in the yeah, um, scorecard. What the hell? I told you about yeah. it a while ago. I can't believe you didn't put it in there immediately how, how, based how, on exactly, my recommendation. Exactly, dude. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, what is it, Pete? What is he after? What are you after? So one thing I really want um, more than this kind of go first, go second, which is cool. I want to see who wins the dice roll to go first and what they did. Right. Yeah, I mean, which well, we can tell by go first, go second. Right. Because yeah. something in this game that we have is the person that, um, you know, wins the dice roll, they get to, sorry, like person gets to pick their deployment zone and there's the exact same chance of after they pick the deployment zone and deploy of going first or second as the other person. Right. So uh, if there's any kind of imbalance in this game, that's where I think it is. Um, if you don't have perfectly symmetrical tables. So that's something yeah. I would love to see. I want to, and it's not just for that reason. Um, I want to see, like, did you give up first first turn? Like, were you were you planning on going second this entire time? And how does that compare to the actual win rates? I'm way more interested in that, I think, than anything else. Not very well said. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, all those uh, are important. Like, are important to tell a story um, because. If you if you look at all the um, very well written articles out there, um, uh, hats off to to the lads at uh, Goonhammer uh, on the whole first turn um, second turn debate. Um, there are plenty of people out there right now thinking, okay, I you know I've, I've got to go first to win, um, and so they're gonna if they get a chance, they're gonna pick first turn, right? I mean that's that's the logical um, like direction this goes. Um, so here's my tip to those out there. Try and break the trend. Build a list to go second because there's a good chance they're going to give you second turn because they think that they want to go first. Mm. Yep. There's my well list for you. <laughs> Diffs, ring-a-ding hot tip for the day, guys. Lock it into your memory banks. Write it down. Put it on your fridge. Take that right. one to the so bank. <laughs> we are, I'm going to quickly run us through um, the faction rankings we broke down. This is pretty much all this episode was. We were going to break down a few other things, but man, we were just rolling so hard and doing, I think we feel like we did a pretty well and, and in-depth overview of all these factions as well. So part two, we're going to talk secondaries. Part two, we're going to go deep dive into secondaries that are getting cho- chosen, why we think they're getting chosen, what are the scores they're getting out of each one, um, and then a bunch of specific fashion, faction stuff. So what's the best What's the best secondary for X faction? What is the, the average score that X faction gets per game, et cetera, et cetera? And you'll find a lot more specific stuff over there. Um, so starting from the bottom, we have Craftworlds, we have Tower, we have Dark Angels, we have Guard, Necrons, T-Suns, and Chaos Space Marines, and Knights rounding off our C tier. In B tier, we have Blood Angels, Nids, Renegade Knights, Ultras, and Drukari. A tier comprises of Grey Knights, Iron Hand, Space Wolves, Admech, Imperial Fist, Custodes, Orcs, and Death Guard. Um, that being, I believe that is our chunkiest 
um, our chunkiest and densest bracket. S tier is White Scars, Sisters, Chaos Demons, Salamanders, and Harleys. Um, I was about to say, with A tier being the chunkiest of the brackets, that kind of gives an indicative that the, the meta isn't as unbalanced as some people would lead, to, lead us to believe. And that um, the fact that there are so many armies that can legitimately make a play for, for winning an event, I think uh, is indicative that we, we don't have a super unbalanced meta. This isn't like the Castellan days. This isn't no. like the Yanari days. Um, this is a lot healthier. We, we do have a couple factions that are just super good. Like, yeah, we do. And we can't say that otherwise. But like, we have enough factions that are winning events that I'm I'm very excited for where we at we are at. Um, just Me a few too. weeks back, we had a, a a weekend where there were seven GTs, like seven GTs and majors, which we haven't seen in forever because of stupid COVID. Of those seven GTs and majors, all were won by different factions, and that tells you something. That's insanely phenomenal. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So to me, like when you see that, like we're we're in a decent place. There are some there are some shit tier factions. Pardon my language. <laughs> that need to get better, and there and yeah. a lot of them just got new codexes and facts. So th that's going <laughs> to fix some problems right there. And there are some super S tier factions that probably need a little bit of a dumb down. Maybe Harlequins, mm -hmm. maybe Salamanders need a little bit of a tweak a do down below. But then I think we're in a really good place. <laughs> so here's here's my hot here's the what I want to see the things that I'm really interested to see what they change from between this ladder and the next one. Dark Angels and Necrons. I really want to see where mm -hmm. they shake out to come out. Necrons having just got sorry, um, Necrons having just got their a codex. Essentially, the the biggest rules release singles rule release they've gotten since their initial line came out. So I'll be really interested to see where they end up next next ladder and the one after that. The next two will be really indicative of the strength of that codex. Uh, on top of that, um, Dark Angels. The, the buffs that they got and the apparent OPness of a lot of their stuff. Are we going to see them skyrocket straight to S tier? Are they going to um, get into the middle of the A tier or are they going to you know pretty much stay about which round they are? And that was everyone's just blowing hot air. So I was really interested to see how those all pan out. And on top of that, um, Imperial Fist, the ass just fell completely out of that faction. Mm -hmm. I expect yeah. to see, see them around about Craft Worlds and Tower by the next time we talk about them. But gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for your time, so much for your big, amazing analytical brains. Please plug anything you'd wish to plug on the way out, Peter. Um, I kind of plugged everything I like to plug at the beginning, except I did forget something, and it is something that's near and dear to my heart. The 40K adjacent show, I'm on it every Tuesday morning, my time. I think it's in the afternoon. If you're in the UK, it's probably like midnight in Australia. I don't know how time works anymore. Um, <laughs> it's me, it's Val, it's um, Rob Symes from The Honest Wargamer. It's we talk a little bit about 40k and a lot about just other stuff. And I love it. It um in the corona times, sometimes it's just good to be able to talk to somebody about anything. And yeah. it, it just feels good. So if you if you want a good laugh or to hear some 40k content, take a listen. It's a good time. And Diffie, I want to thank you so much for opening up the BCP vault and making that data available to us. Anything you'd like to plug in the way out, my man? Um well, uh, well, uh, if you're running an event, uh, you should be using best case bearings. Uh, that's a exclamation point right yeah. there. Yeah, um, just do it. it there. And just do uh, it. the other thing I thought I'd do is I might just plug the part two episode real quick. Um, here's a teaser for you. Uh, no problem. No shocks here, really. Uh, the highest picked or the most picked secondary engage on all fronts. Uh, I don't believe it. The, and we, believe we will it. tell you how the, many times it gets picked. Hold on. And the, and third, the, average, sorry. the third highest is deploy scramblers, um, which nice. once again is is no real shock. 
those are the two um, that uh, people have, have said to me uh, probably the most popular and uh, they're up there uh, or are. Uh, and uh, the, But the second highest might um, shock a few people. Might surprise Leave you. Leave it at that. <laughs> All this. right. Bring it down. Thank you. Buzzfeed the hell out of this. <laughs> Thank you so much again, gentlemen. Um, if you want to join, me, me and these two lovely gents are going to go and record part two now. We're going to talk secondaries. We're going to talk how often they've picked, what the average score you get out of them. We're going to talk specific factions and the, the things that make those factions special and the secondaries that they can they can get and the average scores they're going to be um, putting up and racking up. And we're also going to be answering a swathe of listener questions by uh, people on the Patreon group who really want to know the ins and outs of certain uh, statistics and uh, talking points. So we're going to go and give them a bit of service over in part two. If you are interested in that, please jump over to the Patreon and support us. Thank you so much again, gentlemen, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under, signing out from tomorrow.